Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, IndyCar fans. This is Nathan Brown, your motorsports insider with the Indianapolis Star, here to break down what was a Certainly a wild weekend uh, for the Detroit Grand Prix doubleheader, the street course uh, pair of races on Belle Isle. We had lots of action on track, uh, a decent amount of action off track. We have a couple drivers making their IndyCar debuts this weekend at Road America uh, and plenty of uh, other things going on as we head to the ninth race on the IndyCar calendar. So, of course, joining me as always here is Jack Harvey, uh, the number 60 driver from Meyershank Racing off of um, a couple, what, so-so performances this weekend. Jack, how would you describe um, what went on for you guys on the 60 car in Detroit this past weekend? Uh, it was a very average weekend. Um, you know, it was my first time in in Detroit and um, we had a few small technical gremlins in practice one, so we didn't get to do as much of practice as we uh, hoped and obviously knew it was going to be valuable. So really just spent most of day one learning. Uh, you know, I thought we had okay race pace. Uh, we had decent race pace in uh, day two, but um, yeah, I think that there's the two big takeaways really from the weekend is, you know, right now it feels like we're struggling a little bit on, Street circuit restarts. Uh, we can't keep the tires hot enough. I'm not exactly sure what to do to uh, fix that. And then, you know, I got I got two punches in race two from contacts. You know, I got hit in the same corner twice. You know, in turn six, and got a puncher from uh, Takuma. I got a puncher from uh, Remain, and um, no amount of strategy or fast race car is probably going to recover you from two uh, two punches. So. Uh, Pretty frustrating weekend. Um, probably the first weekend we've had for a while where you know we lacked a little bit of pace, but luckily we're heading to Road America now, and we will been on the front row there before. So hopefully we do that again this weekend. You mentioned the uh, the struggle to build up um, tire, um, build up those tires for those restarts. It's been interesting that we that's been such a, a topic of conversation following last weekend and part of it part of me wonders um and you know maybe you can touch on this a little bit i mean we've heard after after pato made his furious run up from fifth to first after that last restart um with uh right around 10 or so laps to go in race two at detroit it seems like the two folks on the podium uh, that joined him there, Alex Pillow and Joseph, though, that was something that they both marveled at how he had been able to do that in his charge and how they felt like they didn't have anything to match him. Um, I remember both Colton and Graham saying something to that effect on the broadcast post-race. I think they were fourth and fifth, respectively. Um seemed like of, of the impressive performances that we saw on track, that might've been the best 
segment of driving that we saw coming out of the weekend? What did you make of, um, I know, you know, when you're in the race, you're just focusing on what's going on around you, but maybe when you had a chance to digest that a little bit, um, after the race, what were your, some of your thoughts on, on how he was able to just kind of snatch that, that victory away over the last couple laps of that race? Uh, it was a mega drive, you know, it was a really, really awesome performance, uh, you know, by Pato and, uh, you know, everybody on the five car. Um, definitely was a little envious of, uh, you know, how good he looked like he was at that time, especially when, you know, I feel like a lot of the, or me and, you know, from our debriefs this week, some of the Andretti Autosport drivers feel like we definitely wouldn't have had any answer for him in that moment. I don't think anybody did. Um, so, you know, hugely impressive drive from uh, from Pato in that department. You know, I mean, at that point, you just have to say well done to, to him and everybody at McLaren because, you know, for as good of for as good as the day they had there, obviously it was, a you know, really uh, not upsetting, you know, but like concerning to see what happened to Felix and, you know, obviously wishing him mostly a speedy recovery, you know, as quickly as we can. Uh, and, you know, it's always a weird weekend when on one side of the team, you know, your driver has to stay in hospital overnight, can't race in race two, obviously not going to be this weekend. Uh, but then, you know, Sunday afternoon they're celebrating because they just had this epic, uh, epic drive. So uh, probably a lot of emotion for that, for that team. But, um, you know, Pato's, Pato's performance in that moment was incredible. I was was trying to think back, and I couldn't come up with the last time we in IndyCar had had a a crash like Felix's that not only brought on a red flag but stopped the race for as long as it did. I, I'm curious. First off, maybe if you remember when that might have been, or uh, maybe just on the, the different side of the token, what is that like for drivers when you're, you know, you're literally in the middle of a race and you guys are just, you know, walking around pit lane, um, you know, getting some, you know, refueling a little bit with some, some food and some, um, some hydration and stuff like that. When you know that you, you know, have this part of a race done, you still have part of a race to go, but there's no reason for you guys to, to be in the car and you, probably have to kind of put everything on pause a little bit. Uh, it's, it's very, it's very unusual. Uh, I actually, I can't think of the last time that I think one 500 once, maybe I was part of a red flag. Uh, I'm still on struggling. If I'm just, I remember watching it or if I was even a part of it. Um, very, when, when we drove past, turn six to see what happens to Felix. It's not a very high-speed corner, really. And, you know, to see how where he ended up was, you know, you're racking your brain in the car quickly trying to figure out, like, well, how did that happen or how could that have happened? And, you know, it's not until you saw the replay and you're like, wow, that was a, a extremely big impact. Uh, you know, and our first, our first thoughts was just that we hoped that Felix was okay. Um, you know, the, the reality is he, he broke a concrete wall, you know, like the fact that they had to do that level of repairs shows just how serious a crash that was. And I didn't see this week 
why he hadn't been cleared. I don't know if they had disclosed that information, but the fact that, you know, he was so awake and alert, um, you know, getting dinner with Marcus, I think it was on Monday or lunch or whatever, you know, is also a testament to how fantastic a job that IndyCar, the Lara have done to make these cars safe. Uh, because I can't remember the last time I saw, you know, on a road course or a street circuit, a crash to that severity. Um, I was just honestly really, really happy for Felix that he was okay. Uh, obviously, we just wish him a speedy recovery because it's not it's not fun to see people have to miss races like that. I, I used to race with uh, Kevin, you know, so I'm excited that he's making his IndyCar start this weekend. We were teammates uh, way back in 2011. Uh, you know, so I, I, I saw him and, you know, it kind of subtly said he might be in line for that uh, drive on uh, Sunday when I saw him uh, super quickly. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on, on, on Felix and in terms of actually just having a red flag in a race. It's so weird because you come in and you're, you know, having a, a moment where you kind of relax, but you also realize that there's probably 40 laps of, you know, really hard racing left to go and because there was another race you know even after ours on the on day one mm. you know it's starting to get is it going to be a timed race are we going to reduce laps now like what's going on there was a lot of unknowns you know and you kind of catch your breath relax you know you said maybe get a little bit of food on board in the same moment you're trying to stay present and in the zone to, because when it does go green again you know that you're going to be racing that's a great point. So, pretty, pretty tough one. You know, I guess looking back now, I, I felt like I handled it uh, pretty well. I, I guess I don't know really what I would have done or do differently because, you know, you're kind of just waiting, waiting to hear what to do, really. And then, you know, on top of that, we had a second red flag <laughs> later in the race. And you're like, this has been a, a very unusual day. You know, that was, that was how I went to sleep on night one after race one thinking, Unusual day, long day. You guys had qualified that morning before. Um, yeah, I just can't imagine go back, going back to Felix um, real quick there. It was, you mentioned it was, it's supposed to be you know, a fairly low speed corner there in turn six. Um, and man, he, if <laughs> I, I, it was really interesting to see, you know, he posted, I think he was the one that actually posted this might've been on Instagram or somewhere, but fact that um he knew he was going over 100 miles an hour into that that onboard video is just really jarring to watch i mean because it just goes from i mean literally goes from 100 to zero in not even a blink of an eye um was glad to see i mean glad to see first off that he they didn't expect him to have any very serious injuries um and, and you are right i don't believe they have announced exactly um, what he is still dealing with, whether it is any sort of a, you know, a structural type injury. I know they said that he didn't have any broken bones from what it sounded like, but certainly could still be really sore, um, or, you know, maybe torn a ligament or something to that effect. I don't, and very well could be with that you know, level of an accident could, could even be a concussion. And I don't want to necessarily speculate on that, but, um, yeah, really glad to see that he is okay because uh, we're certainly not necessarily used to seeing cars be quite that damaged too often in IndyCar, and certainly are not used to seeing it on a uh, on a road or street course. But you mentioned it; 
it opened up first off an opportunity for Oliver Askew to get back in the car for the first time since the end of last year, back in his same seat um, that he drove before he left IndyCar at the end of last year after his rookie season. He's, you know, he's going in as uh, a rookie on that track, as were you. And he literally his first laps are in qualifying. I know you didn't, you guys didn't have a whole lot of track time, say in that one practice that you guys had, but how much more prepared did you feel like you were, say, going into that qualifying in period uh, ahead of race two versus the the first laps of practice that you turned maybe to kind of put into perspective a little bit of what Oliver was getting himself into. I think, oh, I mean, significantly is the answer to that, you know, from day one to, you know, day two, day two to day three, you know, I, I just felt more and more comfortable every time, um, you know, and for his first laps on that track to me qualifying, you know, is a, is brutal, you know, to be honest with you. Uh, I thought Oliver did a really, really great job um i didn't see exactly what happened in the race uh, you know but i thought his qualifying was uh, you know pretty good honestly um it's you know it's hard you know it, you know not being in the car a lot this year uh you know in general and they're jumping in detroit is a physical track as well um i think the moral of the story really with oliver is when when you leave on a good note somewhere with your head held high that you never know when the next opportunity might be. And I think he did himself a huge, he did himself a credit, uh, you know, with how he responded throughout last year, you know, how he kept pushing and trying. And then, you know, not that you want to see anybody get replaced or have to do a weekend late notice because of what happened to Felix. Um, you know, but certainly I think Oliver put himself back in the frame for that because of, the way that he handled that situation at the end of 2020. Um, I think that's a really big thing to acknowledge. And in terms of what he did on the weekend, you know, he did a really great job on, on Sunday. Um, you know, and I'm excited for him in, in road America this weekend, which also leads us to talk about what happened to Renus this week. Uh, you know, it was really, really unfortunate and, you know, really sad because he's been on a you know great run this year with a ton of great momentum um, I, yeah, it's just it's, it's it's been a very very unusual, you know, four days. Let's say in the IndyCar world, um, you know, probably more unexpected announcements than what we were even anticipating. So um, then we're now next. We'll uh, you know wish wish Greenus a speedy recovery, and you know hope that we have to stop wishing people speedy recoveries here soon again. Um, you know, so tough one all around, mate, honestly, trying to digest and, you know, process all of that, what it means for everybody, you know, the, the good job that so many people did, um, you know, and for some people that that's the opportunity they need to, you know, recatapult things back in. You just, you don't want to have to do it in, uh, you know, in certain set of circumstances. No, you're sure. Right. The, the one person when I think of all of this and, and I think more because I mean, certainly it does sound hopefully like Felix and uh, are both okay. But knowing that in my head, actually the the one person that I, I kind of feel bad for in some way um, from this past weekend is, is Marcus Erickson. Cause he got this 
win on Saturday. It's his first IndyCar win ever. Uh, and it felt like maybe from a media standpoint, you know, we're, you know, we celebrate him after the race, he has his press conference. And then all of a sudden it, I mean, it was literally like an hour, hour and a half later, we've gotten, you know, this string of press releases from Aero McLaren SP on Felix's condition. Um, you know, we learn eventually that Oliver is going to be taking over for him the next day. And then the story the next day is a combination of, um, you know, Oliver getting back in the car, maybe a little bit of a hangover of the, the frustration that team Penske dealt with, uh, the afternoon before with, with Will's car, not refiring properly with five laps to go and, and seeing a victory fall through his grasp. And here we have a, a guy in Marcus, who's now in his third year in Indy car in a, in a big, great seat, great opportunity with Ganassi and he gets his first win. And I, I, I did feel bad for him because I felt like that victory that had been probably a, a decent time coming, you know, kind of gets overlooked. I think that kind of happens in some ways in, in a lot of these doubleheader weekends that we have regardless, just because you have a winner that gets decided midway through the afternoon, say on Saturday. And by Sunday, we're already talking about qualifying and the, the race for race two, but given everything that happened, particularly in that race one, and then just, in the week, the rest of the weekend in general with, uh, Joseph's domination, the first 67 laps of race two and the way that Pato was able to hard charge up the field. Um, as we already mentioned, felt bad for, for Marcus. Cause you know, I, I felt like he could maybe get a little bit more, more credit. Uh, and, and certainly I'm guilty of that as well. It's just kind of the, the thing that you have to do when there's so much news breaking all around you. Um, but wanted to give him a little bit of a, a shout out, um, as we head into this, uh, next race weekend here. Oh, for sure. I mean, Marcus's win has, has been overdue. You know, I think he's been in position a, a few times and seen some really unfortunate, uh, things go his way. And, um, I would say Marcus is probably one of the guys I'm closer with, you know, uh, on the grid and, you know, spent a lot of time talking to him and you know, the things I'll add to that is I was really happy to see Marcus win. You know, I felt like he really deserved it. Um, you know, sad to see what happened to willpower. I have to admit sometimes my sympathy for people, especially when we're going through some random events, sometimes gets a little thin, uh, but seeing how much he had just dominated that race, you know, it was really sad to see that the car didn't get restarted. Uh, you know, that was such a gut-wrenching feeling for him, uh, you know, and everybody on his team. You know, it's not just you feel bad for him, you feel bad for just everyone on his timing stand. Um, it's so hard to win an Indy car at the minute. You know, it just sucks when you see that happen. You know, if it's a great on-track battle like race two was, you know, then okay, that's one thing, but you know, I, I don't know how you prevent that happening again to Will. Uh, you know, but I definitely felt bad for him. I was really happy for Marcus. But I can tell you that I'm, I'm, I haven't chatted to him a bunch this week other than just, you know, congratulations, messages, you know, back and forth and whatnot. Um, Marcus is extremely close with Felix. And I would put everything I own on the, yes, he was really happy that he won. Would he have liked to have maybe had his moment in the sun for a bit longer? Probably naturally. I think we all would have. But his primary 
happiness and concern would have been geared around hearing the news of Felix. Um, you know, so as long as we remember, you know, what a great drive he had, you know, and celebrate that win with him and, you know, make sure he knows he deserves it. I think that, you know, one of his closer friends being okay is probably the best win for everybody. And that's not to overshadow. It's just, I, I know Marcus really, really well. He's, he's a really great guy. And I'm, I'm so confident that that's where his head would have been. Uh, and like you said, you know, it's almost a danger of the double headers, you know, that you win the <laughs> yeah. first one, you know, like you feel great Saturday night, you wake up Sunday morning, you're like, how do we do it all over again? You know, mm-hmm. like that, that is the nature of, of double headers. So then you know, probably the winner of race two probably gets to enjoy it for longer because they're the last winner, you know, if you want to call it that. Um, but I, I'm not sure if I overly feel sorry for anyone who's just won a race, you know, when we're still trying to figure out how we uh, we get to that point. But um, that's what I mean, mate. Honestly, you start thinking about these things on the weekend and, you know, you start off talking about Pato's awesome drive and then what happened to Felix, then getting replaced by, you know, Kevin for this weekend and then what happened to Renus, you know, which brings Oliver back into the conversation for another weekend. And then Marcus's win, you know, I mean, whew, I feel like it has been nonstop, you know, from like Saturday to, uh, you know, at least Tuesday night. I mean, it's been wild. You know, I, I don't ever seen this much activity and it's not even the off season yet. You know, no. it's, it's, it's crazy, mate. I mean, you, you kind of walk around with Twitter open, you know, just in case you get you get FOMO. You know, <laughs> I feel like we're going to be missing out in a minute if I haven't got my phone open all the time. So it's... Uh, yeah, it's it's been a it's been a whirlwind. It has, uh, and that it it quite literally did not stop that update. We got the the news about Renus. Uh, we'll maybe touch on him a little bit here. We got the news on Renus Tuesday afternoon that he had uh, broken his collarbone um, in a bike training ride with his trainer. Um, I believe that was. Um, Monday afternoon, if I'm getting my days correct, I'm, I'm a little, uh, as you mentioned, just kind of been a, a whirlwind of things going on. And then we go into, um, day, yeah, afternoon, we get that. And then Tuesday evening, um, was when we found out that he had come out of surgery, um, all clear, but that he would not be racing. And that, that email literally came in my inbox at, 10:45 at night. Um, I pro- probably was lucky that I wasn't already in bed, but you kind of learn uh, when you're in season. From my standpoint, that you probably got to stay up at least decently late when something is brewing like that to make sure it doesn't land. And of course, of course, it did. So it was just a, a newsy week all around. We haven't even. Um, I guess we'll, we'll touch on Kevin a little bit more. So as you mentioned, Kevin Magnuson, um, former formula one driver for Haas F1, the last couple of years is filling in for Felix this weekend at road America. He's not yet been cleared to drive. Um, sounded like he went through some sort of an evaluation process early this week with IndyCar's medical team, uh, and just was, was not cleared to, to be able to get back in the cockpit and on track. So Air McLaren goes to uh, a driver that part of their program knows pretty well. Kevin Magnuson got his 
Formula One debut with uh, McLaren Formula One back in 2014 and drove one season there as a full season driver and then one season, I believe, as a test driver uh, before maybe a, a quick stint at Renault and then ultimately his uh, final home with Haas. He's been driving sports cars for Chip Ganassi Racing on the Cadillac DPI program to start this year. Actually got his first victory um, since 2013 uh, when he was in the World Formula Renault Series uh, over in Europe, which was pretty cool. It was also the same day that Marcus got his first win since 2013 back in GP2. Um, So it was a cool day for that Ganassi program. And then we've got Oliver filling in for the second consecutive weekend with a different Chevy team. He joins Ed Carpenter Racing, as we mentioned, for Renus, who will not be in the car this weekend due to his bike accident. Found out later that he suffered a broken collarbone, has had surgery on that, um, and is all set. I would imagine, though certainly have not heard this yet, and I think even Renus has said this in an interview yesterday with uh, Jenna Jenna Fryer from the Associated Press that he hopes and plans to be back in the car uh, two weekends from now at Mid-Ohio, which is somewhat similar to the timeline that uh, former Ed Carpenter Racing driver uh, Joseph Newgarden um, went on when he broke his collarbone in 2016 in a crash at Texas and he was able to be back in the car two weeks later. So hope the same for Renus. Um, so we got those two um, relative newbies in the car this weekend. You've got Romain Grosjean making his debut at Road America, Scott McLaughlin, Jimmy Johnson, of course. And then we've also got Cody Ware from uh, a NASCAR Cup Series rookie who's making his debut with uh, Dale Coyne racing with Rick Ware racing in the number 52. He's tested a handful of times in IndyCar and recently did test at Road America. So it felt like this was uh, fairly imminent, particularly with how much we had heard his name uh, in the news and the, the number of times that he had tested in an IndyCar either this offseason or early this season with his father's connection with Dale Coyne racing. So it, it's shaping up to be, um, you know, a certainly an interesting weekend uh, as we continue on in the points race with Pato taking over a, a one point lead on Alex Pato becoming the, the first driver in the series to win for a second time in 2021, but certainly very close looming. You've got the, you know, former champions like Scott Dixon, Simon Pagano, Joseph Newgarden, uh, and unfortunately, Renus VK, who will uh, miss out on this weekend and a, a pretty valuable points experience for him to, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure if I would have considered him necessarily a, a title contender at this point, but I think certainly someone that could have had a, a really good shot to finish on the podium and to come away from a weekend, not just with very few points, but with zero is, is probably going to hurt him a little bit, especially if some of those guys in front of him do come away with a a solid performance. I know we want to talk a little bit here in a second about what your team's expectations are for road America, because I know it was a a pretty good track for you guys last year in the double header, but um, which of these news stories or or headlines outside of uh, things going on inside Meyer shank racing, are you most intrigued to see how it might play out going into this weekend? 
Uh, probably how Kevin gets on, mate. Honestly, I think he's incredibly good race car driver. He's very fast. Uh, you know, he did a fantastic job, I thought, with uh, Hoss. Uh, we were actually teammates back in 2011 when we were doing Formula 3. Uh, he was in his second year. I was in my first year. Uh, you know, Kevin's a, a really great driver. Uh, you know, and I think Road America as a track is probably one that will suit him. Um, you know, it's probably the, one of the most European-style tracks that we go to. And interesting that he and uh, Romain, you know, back to racing with each other because probably at the end of the year we didn't think they were going to be having too much crossover but you know here we here we are so that's probably you know I, I, I really like Kevin um, you know when we were younger we were you know pretty good friends and then our paths kind of diverted but um, that's probably probably the one I'm, I'm most uh, you know interested in just seeing you know where, where it could lead to really because you know I've I, I think we're starting to get into that realm where a couple of rumour rumblings start to happen and, you know, this could mean that and it could mean X, Y and Z and, you know, things like that. And um, it's a really exciting time, you know, for, for IndyCar and, you know, for everybody involved in the series. And we just want to see it keep growing, really. So absolutely. Really happy, really happy to be a part of the series at this time. Sure, sure are. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I almost wonder, in some ex- to some extent, and maybe not from those of us who follow the series a little bit more closely, but I I do have to wonder, in, to some extent, if uh, Roman's performance. To start this year, I know he seemed like he got up to speed pretty quickly there in his debut at uh, Barber Motorsports Park in April, and then obviously got his his pole there in his third IndyCar race of his career and finished second. Uh, I have to wonder, you know, if for the the casual fan, if maybe they will be expecting a little bit more out of Kevin, probably unfairly, uh, because Grosjean, as we know, had several tests this off season. And then of course had the, all the buildup and the sim time and the work with your engineering staff and your strategist and then, and everyone to get that car just right. And Kevin is jumping into um, a team that has openly said they feel like they have a pretty tough car to drive. And it is a, a pretty challenge. We've even seen that from someone like Felix who before his accident on Saturday had been having a a bit of a tough season in his first year with Aaron McLaren SP, some of that from just pure bad luck or, uh, you know, from, from some issues from a, either a mechanical standpoint or bad pit stops or things like that. But other things, I think I, I imagine Felix would say this uh, fairly openly is it's just tough probably getting into that car and, and getting used to it. We've even seen, you know, some weekends when Pato has been off, it's only happened a couple times, but when he's off, he's been, you know, not, not like those Scott Dixon esque, um, you know, rough quote unquote weekends where he finishes eighth or ninth, but, uh, you know, a race where he's, you know, down in, you know, 14th or 15th or maybe even 19th at St. Pete. So uh, I think I, w- I too will also be, um, probably the most intrigued to see how, Kevin adjusts. Um, but there's also, I mean, I think really interesting storylines with 
this is a place that we maybe finally see Jimmy uh, take at least a, a little bit of a jump uh, from his terms. He's been, you know, in the twenties felt like he might've even had a chance to potentially, you know, break into the, maybe the top 15 or 16 by the end of Sunday's race before he had that spin near the end that caused one of those two late cautions. Uh, but I know this is a track that he tested at recently and um, hopefully is, is one where he can continue to build on some of the momentum that he's shown. And then uh, I feel like maybe the biggest wild card is probably Cody uh, because we just don't know, know him too well and know what he's capable of. He's like a true, true open wheel rookie um, coming into this weekend, but we'll be interesting to see how he acclimates um, and brings maybe some, some NASCAR eyeballs uh, over from that series uh, onto NBC sports for Sunday's race, which does start. I think the broadcast starts at noon Eastern 11 local uh, with a race that's supposed to start uh, around 1245, maybe. So coming into this race weekend uh, for you guys on the number 60, number 60 Meyer Shank racing Honda, as you mentioned, this is a place where you guys, started on the front row last year remind me which race was that in the doubleheader uh first race first race okay so that was a race if i remember right that you guys were running really strong and then had those like the fluke brake issues am i remembering that correctly yeah. <laughs> like uh yes you are sadly you, you are correct <laughs> um what did what did you take from from that doubleheader weekend? I know, I mean, I was I was even looking over like the actual end of race results in in twenty third and seventeenth. Certainly, I don't think represented how strong of a car you guys had, particularly in race one. Um, what what do you expect that this weekend uh, could do for your guys's program? Trying to um, start to find that rhythm that you guys had, uh, from the, the IMS road course days, uh, a month or so ago. I think find the rhythm again, mate, honestly, uh, you know, sadly for us, we've had, you know, from Texas onwards, um, you know, five, five races now, which some things out of our control, some things in our control, you know, haven't gone the way we, uh, wanted them to. And, you know, looking back at last year's performance at Road America, you know, qualified second. That's great. Um, you know, race two, we qualified ninth. Still still not bad. Uh, you know, we clearly had pace. And, you know, race one, I think I was actually running fifth. And we had a brake failure, which, you know, DNF. So that sucked. And then, um, you know, race two, I got, I got punted, you know, at the start. And it spun me out. So, uh, you know, at that moment. It was, it was annoying to, to leave a weekend where we had two starting positions in the top 10, uh, you know, and one on the front row without a, you know, very good result. I think the nice thing, obviously, uh, you know, like we've shown this year several times already. Uh, I mean, honestly, nearly every weekend minus Detroit, um, you know, we can be fast. You know, we just got to, we've got to execute and we just have to, we have to do the simple things very well. And I think that's the, that's the thing we've been chatting with the team about. You know, this week, um, you know, we don't need to try and be rock stars. We don't need to have the fastest 
single pit stop, we need to have the best and the most consistent pit stops. So, um, you know, I think it's about keep them open-minded, uh, you know, also not forgetting everything because we've been doing a lot of things really good. You know, we just need to um, have a, a soft soft reset. And, you know, I think we're happy that we're going back to Road America. It's the track we've been strong at. You take them good feelings, you try and turn it into a, a good result. And I think that's, that's the only thing we haven't done yet. You know, we've had pretty, you know, great qualifiers on the whole this year. And, um, yeah, you know, I, I feel that we're very close to compete at the front all the time. And, again, minus Detroit, I think I think we really have. Um, you know, so just want to get back on, back into that rhythm, have a, have a smooth weekend. Uh, I feel like I've said that a bit recently. But, yeah, just want to have a, a smooth weekend, uh, you know, get some momentum going again and, Hopefully go well here, then go well in mid-Ohio and, you know, see where the second half of the uh, season takes us. Mm -hmm. I have a couple quick questions for you, particularly on Road America. We can consider it our uh, question and answer for this show. What we hear drivers so much, uh, you know, in reference to this track, talk about how it's not the favorite road course that they come to this year. And I know we have so many different ones on the schedule between, um, between Barber and IMS and let's think here. Um, we've got road America and mid Ohio, Portland, Laguna Seca. Um, but it always seems like when guys are, are listing off their favorites or, or even drivers who have not raced in IndyCar. I think Jamie Johnson was someone who said that this maybe was the track that he might've been looking forward to racing the most coming into this year. Cause it's just a track that he always admired and never really had the chance to race on. What is it about this track? You feel like that drivers um, particularly enjoy, is it the, the length of the circuit uh, being, you know, right around that four mile mark that's super different. Is it the long straightaways that get it, you know, create some, some faster corners and just some more straight line speed racing, uh, than we would typically see from a, a road course. What, what do you enjoy with the most about it? Everything. As soon as you arrive at the place, you know, it's a beautiful, beautiful track setting. Uh, I mean, really it has everything, you know, it has some, uh, you know, slow speed corners. It's got some high speed corners, you know, it's got high commitment corners, you know, incredible elevation change. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a super pretty track setting. Um, I think coming from, you know, from, from my history being mostly road courses, I think the flow of the track is incredible. You know, you feel when you've done a good lap there, you, you know you've done a good lap there. You know, you feel very fast, very connected. Uh, I think it's very difficult track to drive. Uh, I think the lap times, although saying that, I think they'll be very close this weekend and um it absolutely is a, a favorite i think it's also a favorite because of the history of road america and how many great races people can you know rattle off that they watched or you know when they were younger they remember going i think do we i'm not, do we still count is wisconsin midwest is that still part of the yeah. midwest yeah i think you can still conclude it in there it's kind of like on that border uh but yeah, yeah. I, I still include it in there I think for, you know, IndyCar obviously has such a hub, you know, in the Midwest that a lot of people I know living in India are going to drive up this weekend, you know, for the race. So it's one that a lot of people can get to. 
uh, you know, drive to and, you know, camping always is really cool at Road America. It kind of has one of them things where if you're if you're just a fan, you can go and enjoy so many aspects of Road America. And I think that's the thing that makes it everybody's favourite. And because the atmosphere is good, it gives you more warm and fuzzies about the track. And then because when you go there, you feel the support from the fans. You know, just as soon as you, someone just mentions Road America, I smile. It's a great way. It's just a really, really cool place. Mm-hmm. I'm and excited for it. It'll, oh, go ahead. Sorry. The Italian food in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, is just <laughs> like out of this world good. You know, like that, I'm, I'm driving up, I'm actually driving up there now. But one of the things I drove up early for was to make sure I could have dinner at a decent time tonight at my favorite restaurant. You know, so the, the, the good things about Road America even stretch to Italian food near the track. Okay. That is wild. I would not, I would not uh, expect the small, you know, small town in Wisconsin to be uh the experts in italian food but i will certainly take your word for it i'm looking forward to getting there here uh late this evening we are taping this podcast uh late thursday afternoon early thursday evening we will see i've spent a ton of time in italy because of when i was go-karting and stuff like that i was probably even more surprised than you that (laughs) in wisconsin the place where i think about like cheese sausages beer you know, have awesome Italian food. They, they, were, they never even entered my mind that that would have been, like, one of the things they were famous for. Is it, like, a, a paddock secret? How did you find out about these Italian restaurants in Sheboygan, Wisconsin? It, it's – I just got recommended to go and okay. went to one, really enjoyed it. You know, I, I actually quite like downtown Sheboygan, like, by the, by the water there. It's pretty. It's a pretty neat little place, uh, you know, to be and – you know, to hang out in. And I mean, there's like three really good Italian uh, restaurants. I think two of them are, two of them are connected and maybe up on the show, same ownership. Uh, but I mean, the other one's incredible too. And you also know it's good because the guys from Dallara, the Italian guys in Dallara go and eat there and enjoy it. So that's how you know that this is legit. I have no idea how it happened. I'm just grateful that it did. That is quite the endorsement. If you've got uh, the folks from uh, Delara going there, well, I will look forward to checking that out. I know we need to let Jack go uh, as he continues on his trek up uh, into the depths of Wisconsin. Uh, we will be headed there shortly, um, but you guys can can all tune in uh, for this weekend's action. It starts on Friday, like I said, late afternoon, early evening. All on track uh, action on Peacock. We've got uh, practice that late afternoon, early evening. You've got Saturday with two practice sessions, sandwiching, qualifying there right in the middle. And then we get into uh, a race on NBC Sports that starts at 1240 Eastern, uh, 1140 local central time. Jack, uh, thank you so much for joining us this weekend. Best of luck to the uh, Meyershank Racing number 60 team, and we'll see uh, see if you guys can, can capitalize on everything you guys learned out at Road America last year. I hope so. Thanks, buddy. All right. Thanks for you all for joining us this week on IndyCar Week, IndyCar Weekly. 
be sure to tune in next week as we break down Road America and all of the new drivers in the series that are hopping into this action-packed race weekend. Thanks for listening.